Dear God, we come before you this morning. If it's one person in here today that uh, is, their heart is tugged, God, I just ask that, uh, that you would know that's a win, God. We're, we're gonna celebrate. We're gonna celebrate what you're doing. And I ask today that everything would be stripped away. As I was preparing for this uh, message, God, you were teaching me things through the simplicity of, of what you wanted. Um, I asked this morning that I would be able to, to teach um, your word, God, your scripture, um, that I'd be able to, uh, that these would be your words, God, that the Holy Spirit would move through. Open the hearts today, Jesus, of these people. Um, they came, they put the effort to drive here, and I just ask, God, that um, the rewarding would be the growth, God, that you could do in our lives. I asked this morning that you would do things across our country, you'd do things across our world, you'd do things in our churches, and I just thank you, Father, for who you are, that you are a good God, you are faithful, and we ask this in your amazing name, amen. I want to start off by sharing you a quick story. There's a guru of archery, and this is back in the day, it's in a small village, and this guru is very, very smart. He knows how to teach archery, but more importantly, knows how to teach life lessons. So he gets a group of students, and he's going to teach them how to hit the target. Now, this is a very interesting thing, because you would think this would be a fairly easy thing, where he says, here's the deal, here's the target, here's your bow, here's your arrow, hit the target. Fairly simple. But there's more than that, because he wants the students to be able to learn something on their own. So he does this. He hangs a crow from a tree, a wooden crow, not a real crow, a wooden crow from a tree. And he doesn't tell them that that's the target. He hopes that they'll just kind of pick it up because it's out of the ordinary. So he asks all the students, a few of them, the first one he says, hey, I want you to get your bow, I want you to get your arrow, and I want you to look and see what you're supposed to shoot. What do you think you're supposed to shoot? Now you think they would notice that there's a wooden you know, crow hanging from the tree, but the first student gets ready to draw his bow and says, I see a garden, I see flowers, beautiful sky, water. And this student probably thinks, okay, like, I nailed it because I named all these pretty things. I bet he's thinking that's okay. And the guru says, no, put your bow down, put your arrow down, and step aside. So the next kid comes up, next student comes up, and he says, what do you see? And he says, well, I see a tree, and I see wind, and leaves are blowing, and I see all this stuff. And I think that's maybe where I'm supposed to shoot at that tree, almost kind of asking, and the, the guru says, no, put your bow down, step aside. So the last couple students say very similar things. And then it gets to this kid, Arjuna, and he asks this kid, Arjuna, he says, Arjuna, please come up here and tell me what you see. And Arjuna gets up there and he draws his bow and he says, I see a crow, I see the eye of the crow. And he says, please shoot and fire. And he steps up and he shoots it, releases it, and it goes right through the eye of the, of the crow. Now, here's the thing. This parallel of this story to me is very, very similar to the parallel of God's story with us. Because here's the deal, I think sometimes we want, we want to know exactly what God wants from us and sometimes we don't know. 
You see, there's many times where I want to be able to focus, which is what we're gonna be talking about today. I wanna be able to focus on exactly what God wants, exactly what he wants. And I want this target and I wanna make sure I know and I want the eye of the crow and I wanna be able to say, God, if you give me the target, I promise you, I'll line up, I'll shoot it. But the thing is, sometimes we don't even know. We're not really sure. We might have to seek and see what he wants, but it can be very challenging. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, hmm, I don't exactly know what God wants from me, but I know that he wants me to do something. Because I've always said that when God wants us to do something, we have an opportunity to do a few things. We have an opportunity to grow. We have an opportunity to be faithful. But it takes focus. This morning, what I hope to accomplish is to give you an idea that focus is really crucial and what you focus on is even more crucial. Because there's many things that I'm focused on throughout the day. There might be things that you're focused on. Maybe you're focused on being a really good employee. Like that's, who, that's what you want your identity to be. You're focused on making money. You're thinking, if I can just make a bunch of money, life is gonna be good because we all know that people have money. They have no problems, right? We all know that. But here's the thing. Sometimes we're focused on the wrong thing. So you might be focused on money. You might be focused on your job. You wanna be the best person at your job. And these are all great things. You might, you might be focused on being a really, really good husband. You might be focused on being a really, really good dad or a really good, I don't know, sports player, whatever, you, whatever you're doing, it, it doesn't matter. Sometimes we focus on all these things and I think what God is saying is those are great. Those are great, but when you focus on one thing and it's not Jesus, you end up just being good at that one thing. And I think when we focus on Jesus, I actually think that we can become good spouses, good parents, good employees. And so this morning I wanna walk you through the process of focus and how easy it is to become distracted and I want you to ask yourself at the end of this, what am I focused on? So I wanna take you to some scripture in Matthew 6.34. It's a scripture that I often look at because I'm a worrier. I worry about everything. Ever since I've had my two sons, I find myself worrying about a lot of different things with them. I worry about Megan. I worry about all sorts of stuff. And so this verse in Matthew 6.34 is really powerful and I want you to see it. It's a very popular verse. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You're saying, Mike, I've heard this verse before. Basically, I'm just supposed to worry about today and then not worry about tomorrow, and that's not what's being said. What's being said here is simply this. Here's what you can control, your focus. Here's what you can't control, tomorrow. Here's what you can't control, today. How do I know this? Because God is actually telling, Jesus is actually saying here that each day has enough trouble of its own. See, I'd love to be able to wake up just like you, wake up and just be able to control every aspect of my life, every single aspect of my life. I'd love to be able to control my circumstances, my situations, the things that people do and say to me, the things that happen in our world, the things that happen in our city, in our town, all these different things, I'd love to be able to control. How many of you guys, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you guys are control freaks? See, here's the last couple of years, I didn't realize I was a control freak until I went to a counselor because I thought maybe I was a control freak and I was like, what's happening here? Why am I a control freak? So I asked this lady and I said, here's the deal, I need to talk to you and I'm, 
I just, I said a lot of people tell me different things and I just kind of need to be able to tell somebody something. And that was kind of my goal was just, I was gonna go and get some help and work, some, you know, work on some things in my life, blah, blah, blah. And a little bit embarrassing, but you know, whatever. And so I go to the counselor and all of a sudden she's like, have you ever been told you're a control freak? And I'm like, no, I've never been control, you know, told I'm a control freak. I'm not a control freak because I'm very laid back. And, you know, I just kind of, and she basically said, you're not laid back at all. And you're a control freak. So I went home, I told Megan, I said, hey, you know how, you know how I'm always like saying I'm laid back and stuff? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, come to find out I'm not super laid back. And she's like, yeah, you didn't have to pay for counseling. I could have easily told you that. You know, she, she quickly tells me I'm not laid back. And then I started talking to a couple friends. You know, I'm like, am I not laid back? I thought I was pretty laid back, like kind of a go with the flow. No, no, you're not laid back at all. So I, I, I went to Blair's office and I was like, dude, I keep getting this narrative that I'm not laid back. I thought I was very laid back because, you know, I'm a pretty friendly guy and all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, you're not laid back at all. That's couldn't be more, couldn't be more false. And so anyways, I, the last probably year I've been uh, really wrestling with the fact that I'm not this laid back guy. But anyways, so with this, maybe you're a control freak just like me and I want to control all the aspects of my day. I just do. But what God is saying, what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 64 or 634 is simply this. You can't control the things that happen to you. You can't control the circumstances you're in. You can't control the situations that you have. Bad things happen to good people. Unfortunate things happen to good people. And he is basically saying, hey, don't even think about tomorrow. Don't even worry about tomorrow because there is no point because you can't even control today. So what I want you to do instead is Focus, our key word here, on the things that you can control because what you can control is your focus. And sometimes I look at this stuff and I'm thinking each day has enough trouble of its own and I'm trying to you know, think about all this stuff and it's so easy to think about tomorrow sometimes even when it's good things that possibly might happen. And I was listening to Stephen Furtick and he said something really interesting. He said, it's the song, <clears throat> excuse me, tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you. Tomorrow, you're only a day away. So here's the deal. Why do we like that song? Because the song doesn't say, today, today, I love you, today, I wish you would go away. It doesn't say that. It says tomorrow. Why, do, why does it say that? That song says tomorrow because tomorrow might be better. Tomorrow might be a fantasy. Tomorrow might be going on vacation. Tomorrow, my kids are gonna be out of diapers. Tomorrow, my kids are gonna leave the house. Tomorrow, my marriage will be better. Tomorrow, my job's gonna be better. It doesn't say today, you're only a day. It, today is what we're given. And so I wanna highlight that the thing that you can focus and you can control is simply your focus. What you're focused on today is a really big deal. And so in Matthew 6.34, he basically sums it up. And I wanna take you to a story I like popular stories. Sometimes I won't use popular stories, but I like popular stories because I think it, you've heard it before and it just makes it a little bit, bitty, little bit easier. But the story of Noah, it's a very popular story as we know. But I wanna walk you through some bits and pieces of Noah. And I wanna tell you this would have been a difficult story. Like I said, sometimes, you know, in, in, when Sunday school, I've said this before, Sunday school, you know, we're, we're at Sunday school and everything's really peaceful and you see the boat and the water and that's great and all that stuff and the little dove flying away and that's awesome but here's the deal it would have been a very intense time for Noah 
because Noah was getting asked to do something that he probably didn't understand. In Genesis 6, 9, it says this. It says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. We're getting a little picture of who Noah was. He's a blameless man. He's walking faithfully with God. And he's gonna be asked to do something that doesn't make a lot of sense because at this point, a lot of people believe and a lot of scholars believe and biblical scholars that there would not have been any rain at this point. We're in Genesis. We wouldn't have seen any rain. They say that, you know, potentially, and I don't know, I wasn't there, believe it or not, but they say that the clouds would have been very heavy and getting ready for rain and it would have been this dark clouds and it's like, this is gonna be the first rain, but Noah at this point has not experienced rain. So this isn't gonna make a lot of sense to him when God says, hey, Noah, I'm actually gonna flood the earth. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm really gonna do something and it's gonna kind of be mesmerizing. Genesis 6, 11, 14, it says this. It says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, hey, I'm gonna put an end to all people because the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely gonna destroy both of them, the humans and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make room in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. So as we just talked about, God's commanding Noah to do something. We've heard it before, you've heard it before. But does this make a lot of sense? Noah's probably thinking, yeah, I know things are violent and stuff, but like, you're, you're gonna wipe out everything you created. You're gonna wipe out the earth essentially and you're gonna wipe out the humans in it with a giant, giant flood. I'm confused. I'm supposed to build a boat. I, I'm a little confused here. But keep in mind that when God asks us to do some, some, some things, sometimes it doesn't make any sense. Like I want you to think in your life, has God ever asked you to do something and it just doesn't make any sense? You're like, God, I, I really don't even understand what you're talking about here. I know you're asking me to do this, but I've, I've never seen that before. I've never done that before. It's exactly what he's doing with Noah right here. In Genesis 7, Genesis 7 to 1 through 4, it says, the Lord then said to Noah, I want you to go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate. And also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I'm gonna send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I'm gonna wipe from the face of the earth every living, living creature I have made. Now, I would imagine this probably would have been very, very difficult for God. And sometimes I wanna tell you that sometimes the asks that God gives you aren't easy for God. See, I've often thought that sometimes when God is doing stuff in my life and it doesn't make sense and I'm getting frustrated and I, I don't understand what he could possibly be doing, I just think he's this big bad monster that's out to get me that surely doesn't care about my circumstance. God, how could you let this happen? I mean, how could you ask me to do this? Are you kidding me? This could, this could cause me to lose friends. God, how, how could you ask me to do this? This could, this could disrupt my family life. How could you ask me to do this, God? This could mess up my job. And I think sometimes when I'm doing those things, maybe like you, you've been through a rough situation or you're in a circumstance that doesn't make sense, you're viewing God. You've began to view God as this big bad wolf who's out to get you. And I've done it before. I've been angry. I've been frustrated with God. And I thought, how could you let this happen? 
How could you let this situation take place in my life? And I wanna tell you that I think that there's some highlighted notes here in the, in the story of Genesis, in the story of Noah. God doesn't wanna wipe out what he's created. You think when God created the heavens and the earth and he put these people on the earth, he's like, yeah, sometime later, I'm just gonna wipe them out. I definitely wanna do this. I wanna destroy everything that I've made. How many of you guys have ever built a house or had a house built and then right after you build it, you knock it down because you're like, yeah, I really wanna redo that. You don't do that. God, I think right here in this moment is not happy about what's about to take place, but the ass that he give us sometimes aren't always enjoyable for him. But he has a vision and a plan and a focus and a purpose for our lives and he has all these things for the overall picture of his kingdom. And in this moment, this is what needed to take place in Genesis. So he's not happy about this. I want you to take note that God is not out to get you. He's not out to get me. Sometimes he gives us asks that are not gonna be fun for him to sit there and watch. And they're not gonna be very understandable for us to do. And so there's gotta be a little confusion in Noah right now saying, I'm building this boat. I'm over here, I'm down on my hands and knees and I got my nail and my hammers out and I'm, I'm doing all these different things and I'm trying to build this boat and I can only imagine people walking by. <laughs> Look at that guy. What's he doing? He's building a boat. What do you What do you mean rain? What's rain? Never heard of that before. Noah, keep going. That looks pretty cool. Got that wooden boat. Man, yeah, good luck with that. Sometimes when we get asked to do stuff, it doesn't make sense to us and it doesn't make sense to other people and that's the beauty of focus is because God allows us with his Holy Spirit to keep on track and that's exactly what Noah did. In Genesis 7, 21 through 24, every living thing that moved on land perished birds livestock wild animals and all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all mankind everything on dry land that had breath of life in its nostrils it died every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out <laughs> god really wants to highlight that here doesn't he people and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth only noah was left and those with him in the ark the waters flooded the earth for 150 days I wanna highlight something else here. During this ask, it probably got a little confusing because it doesn't say that God gave him an exact picture. What it does say is, I want you to take a step and that step is when I'm done with this task of flooding the earth, you're gonna send out a dove, you'll know all this, you'll know when land is dry, he'll bring back the fig leaf, all that stuff, we get that. But can you imagine being in this boat? I want you to put yourself in Noah's shoes for a second. Can you imagine being in this boat and every day you wake up and you look out your window and, okay, still flooded, all right. And that, that's okay for one day, for two days, maybe a week, you know, maybe, maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe a month, you're starting to be like, you know, it's kind of like, okay, still flooded. Okay, this is kind of getting old. Like, God, just wondering. I mean, not complaining, but is this gonna end? You know, all this stuff. And all these days later, he's gotta be thinking, God, I, I don't know. I mean, I believe you, but how long am I gonna have to be in here? How long am I gonna have to do this? How long does this ask last? Because with us, we want the quick microwave ask, don't we? We want God to be asking us something. It might be a little difficult, but we step into it. Maybe you know, a couple hours later, we're out of it. Thanks, thanks God, I'm, I'm glad I'm out of that. What happens when he asks us to do something and we're not sure the time frame? That's where the focus comes in. That's what I wanna keep highlighting. In fact, I wanna give you an opportunity right now to participate in the focus. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put up a where in the world is Waldo up on the screen. 
And I want you to find Waldo. When you find Waldo, I'm gonna give you a minute. When you find Waldo, or you think you found Waldo, raise your hand. Take a good hard look. Where is Waldo? Where could he possibly be? Okay, I like it. Carolyn's got her hand up. He's up there somewhere. I'm gonna, I'm about 30 seconds. Keep looking hard for Waldo. He's there. You're probably thinking I tried to trick you because when I was actually looking at this, I was thinking, I don't see Waldo. So maybe he's really not there. Maybe this is a glitch in this book. Let's give another 10 seconds. All righty, let's go to the next photo. All right, where's Waldo? I'm gonna give you 30 seconds. Where's Waldo? He's gotta be around there somewhere. And five seconds. Okay, next photo. Does anyone see Waldo? If you see Waldo, raise your hand. I wanna see everyone's hands go up. Everyone see Waldo? Okay, if you can't see Waldo, I need you to visit a doctor this week to get your eyes checked. So here's what I wanna ask you, a quick question as you're looking over this Where's Waldo uh, illustration. I wanna ask you if the picture changed. Did the picture change? No, it did not. From the very first picture to the middle picture to this picture, did the picture change? No, it did not. It's the exact same photo. In fact, Josh, can we blow it up to the first uh, Where's Waldo photo? Here's the first Where's Waldo photo. Waldo, as now you're looking, is top, top right a little bit, uh, kind of inward. There's a guy that's kind of raising his hand. Might be hard, but there's Waldo right there. Almost the thing that looks like, a, like an electrical switch or outlet. That is where Waldo's at. This, the, the picture of Waldo never changed because the, that picture to the last picture where you're seeing Waldo never changed. But I'll tell you what did change the focus of the picture changed. See, the circumstance didn't change. Many times we want this. We want this exact same thing. In fact, I think that Noah in his story probably wanted the circumstance to change. He probably said, God, there's gotta be another way. Like, there has to be another way. You, you can't be flooding the entire earth, expect me to, to be on this boat with my son-in-law for 140 days with all these smelly animals. And I mean, you gotta be kidding me. This certainly cannot be the way that you have things, but God's picture, it never changed. I think what happened is Noah kept focused. He kept focused on the exact vision of what he was supposed to focus on. As we look at some of these things, I wanna show you a promise from God, and we're gonna piece this together. I'm laying the groundwork. We're gonna do a mini-series because next week I'm gonna be talking about focus. So bear with me on laying the groundwork for this week, but in Matthew 5, 3, uh, 10 through 10, Jesus is talking, it's the Sermon on the Mount, and he gives us a couple promises. He give us, gives us a couple things that we can always focus on, and here's what it is. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit, they're gonna be blessed with the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they're gonna be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they're gonna be filled. Blessed are the merciful, because they're gonna be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they're gonna see God. Blessed are the peacemakers because they're gonna be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God is giving us a little bit 
of his focus, of where his heart's at, of where his faithfulness lies. I wanna tell you something that I actually believe is very true. I believe that focus equals faithfulness. I believe that focus equals faithfulness. Because sometimes when you focus, as I shared with the story when we first started, sometimes you have a target and you see it and it's clear as day and you know exactly what God is asking you to do. Maybe you're in that season right now. You know exactly what God is calling you to do and all he's asking is that you just stay focused. But maybe you're in a season right now where you don't know what the actual end goal is. You don't know what the actual target is. And he's asking you to be focused. And what this is translating to is being faithfulness. Because walking in faith is basically saying, I'm gonna be focused, but I have no idea what's gonna happen. See, I think there's some parallels to the story of us when we want our circumstance to change. I think we see this all the time, but I think we specifically saw it when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know the story. He knows exactly what the goal is. The goal is to die on the cross, to experience an incredible death so that sin is completely defeated and those who choose to say that he is risen and they believe that he is the savior of the earth will have eternal life. He knows the goal, couldn't be more clear. What does he say in the Garden of Gethsemane? He, he's distressed, he's sweating. And he says, Lord, if you can take this cup from me, that'd be great. See, I don't think in the moment that his focus was changing, I think he might've wanted to have a similar focus because he knew what the goal was, but he kind of wanted the circumstance to maybe change. But he realized that the ultimate goal was not his will, it was the will of God. It was the understanding that there was a bigger picture, there was a greater picture here. This morning, I don't know what your focus is, and as we lay this ground week for next, the groundwork for next week, I don't know exactly what your focus is. I don't know if your focus is to be a millionaire. I don't know if your focus is to be a better husband. I don't know if your focus is to be a better student, a better parent, a better teacher, better businessman. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know exactly what your focus is this morning, but I tell you, God has a plan, he has a purpose, and he wants you to stay focused. In fact, I know this because I think that focus leads to perspective. Sometimes we wanna change our perspective and our circumstance and then we'll start focusing. And I think God actually wants us to change our focus and then we'll get better perspective. Here's the perspective that Noah could have had. Noah could have been so frustrated that I am a righteous man, I'm blameless, I'm good. Why do I have to suffer just because of them? They're the ones doing all the bad stuff. Why do I have to suffer because of them? I should be able to have my own mountain. Like, can't you just flood up to the top of this mountain? You know, I'm gonna sit up on this mountain with my family. I shouldn't have to pay because of these people's bad choice. His perspective could have been completely disappointed. It could have been filled with disappointment. It could have been filled with anger. It could have been filled with frustration. And then he could have said, well, God, here's the deal. Why don't you put me up on this mountain, make everything easy for me, give me you know, all this stuff. I'll have good perspective that you're a good God and all this stuff. And then I'll focus, I'll continue focusing on being good. But that's how it works. It doesn't work in the idea of perspective going first and then you have focus. You have to have your focus and then your perspective. See, that's exactly what Jesus had. Jesus had focus and therefore his perspective 
was shifting a little bit where he's asking God to take his cup, but his perspective was always us. And that's the thing about focus is quite frankly, it involves us. I want you to see this. I think focus completely involves us because some of us are focused on us. But the thing is, it takes us to actually focus on God to be able to get exactly what he has for us. A lot of us is in there. The word focus, my gosh, it's got us in big letters because a lot of times I'm focused on me. A lot of times we're focused on us. How can I get a better car? How can I get a better house? How can I get more money? How can I get a prettier girl? How can I get all this stuff? How can my kids be better? How can my kids play varsity sports? How can I get my, you know, my, my kid is an honor roll student. How can I get that sticker on the back of my car? I'm just teasing. I had to, I had to get, make fun of people for those little stickers. If you have one, I apologize. But I never, I never had one and my parents never had one, so I'm a little jealous. But you're asking all these things sometimes, like, how can I focus on me? How can I get better? How can I have better? And I think God is looking at you and he's looking at me and he's like, it starts with us. And as a church, it starts with us. And as people, it starts as us to focus on what God has. We have to stop focusing on ourselves and we have to start focusing on what God wants. This morning, I'm gonna call the band back up but I wanna tell you something that I find very crucial in the story of Noah. And I don't know if it'll be up here because I don't remember if I put it in the slides, but I think it's really neat that there's a couple, there's a little phrase, a couple words in the book of Noah that it says, and it says, Noah did everything God commanded. It would talk about the asks of what God had asked him to do, and then it would say, Noah did everything God commanded. And then God would ask something else, and it would say, Noah did everything God commanded. Can you fill yourself in that blank today? Can you fill yourself in the blank of Mike did everything God commanded? I, I don't know. I don't know what your focus is. I don't know if you're focused on God. I don't know if you're focused on yourself. I don't know if you're f- focused on whatever you're focused on. I'm not sure this morning. But as we lay the groundwork about what focus actually looks like in a very simple format, I'm hoping that a heart is touched this morning by realizing that our focus, our focus has to be on God and the things of God. I know you know this. This is one of those obvious messages. You're not gonna walk away and be like, man, that was profound. I don't care. I'm not trying to be profound. What I'm trying to do is ask you this morning in a very challenging, holding accountable way for you and for me, could you fill in the blank? Is your name in that blank? Mike did everything God commanded. Mike did everything God commanded when it didn't make sense. Mike did everything God commanded when it didn't add up. Mike did everything that God commanded when people didn't understand. Mike did everything God commanded. I don't know what it is. As you ask yourself this morning and you genuinely look at this, this is exactly what I want to highlight this morning. Are you like Noah? Because it didn't make sense. It didn't, he didn't understand It was a long ask, probably longer than he wanted, but he got in the fight. And because he had focus, he had perspective. If you lack focus this morning, you might be a person that's filled with anger because you don't understand the circumstance that you're in. If you don't have focus on God this morning and what he wants, you might be a person that's filled of of hurt because your perspective is you've always been the victim. If your focus is off this morning, You might be a person that's filled with sadness because you just think that you're not good enough and you don't have that confidence. I don't know exactly what it is this morning, 
But as simply as I can lay out the story of Noah, I wanna tell you that he did everything God commanded. This week, he's gonna ask you to do stuff. He's gonna ask you to do something. He's gonna ask you to, to do the thing that might be really challenging. Maybe you've been doing it for a long time and you've gotten to a habit of it. And he's like, I want you to stop that. Maybe it's something that you don't know, like rain. You'd never heard of it. And he's asking you to do it. Take a jump, take a new job, move to a new place. Call your kid that you don't have a relationship with. I don't know exactly what it is, but maybe it's something that's uncharted territories. Will you fill yourself in the blank this week that you did everything God commanded? If you're focused on the end goal, of what God wants from you. Your perspective will be this. I am strong, I'm a child of God, I'm capable of anything. I'm gonna display mercy better than I ever thought possible. I'm gonna give grace and forgiveness better than I ever thought I could. And the people that you're bitter at are gonna suddenly, you're gonna be able to look at them with grace and forgiveness, no matter who it is, because you're focused on what God has. That's my prayer this morning. Please fill your name in the blank this week. Do everything God commanded you, from the small to the big. If you join me in prayer, I wanna close out. God, you're a good God. And you ask things of us that sometimes don't make sense. And sometimes you keep us there longer than we want. God, this morning, what I am hoping for is that this is just an opportunity to remind us to stay focused. It's so easy to look to my left. It's so easy to look to my right and compare myself. But God, you are faithful. You call people to go. You have people stay. You tell people what to do. You fix broken situations. And God, today, this is about focus. I don't need to sing the song, I can't wait till tomorrow and it's only a day away because I don't, I'm not even guaranteed that. What I'm guaranteed right now is today and what I'm guaranteed and what I can control is my focus. So I'm gonna focus on being a person that's filled with mercy and grace and kindness. And yes, I'm gonna get frustrated. There is times I'm gonna look to my left and I'm gonna look to my right, but God, my challenge this week is that we did everything that you commanded. Whether you're sending the rain or you're bringing the flood, or we're gonna have to sit in a smelly boat with our in-laws for a week, it doesn't matter. What I'm asking, God, is that you would challenge us to do everything that you commanded. When we sense your spirit asking us to do something this week, God, would we listen, would we obey? And I wanna just say, Lord, in my own life, would you challenge me because I'm up here talking about this. It'd be so easy for me to, to challenge people with this thought and then be a hypocrite behind closed doors. God, I ask you to convict me strongly this week behind closed doors in my own home. Would you convict me more than anyone else in this room because quite frankly, I'm up here talking. I ask that you challenge that everything you ask of me this week, God, I would do, that I'd be faithful because faithfulness equals focus and focus equals faithfulness. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. It's in your amazing name, amen.